Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. Back in June of 2020, I had COVID and I still have long COVID. And one of the symptoms of long COVID is insomnia. I'll wake up at two or three in the morning and can't get back to sleep for two or three, four hours. And it kind of ruins the whole day next day because you don't have any energy. So what did I do? I called Mike Lindell at my pillow and I got the entire sleep system. I have the mattress topper. I have the Giza sheets, which my colleague Christine Dolan says are regal. I have the my pillow, the my pillows themselves, and I have the comforter, which feels like a grandmother's house. It's so warm and cozy. And I have the regal duvet cover on on top of this comforter. So I have the entire sleep system. I literally work all day long. I'm exhausted. I lay down in this sleep system and literally just wake up the next morning. It's amazing how well I sleep. I, I can't get can't wait to get back to it. So what can you do? You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CDM and get the best discounts that Mike has to offer right now for the entire sleep system. But don't just get the sleep system. If you're buying household products, make sure to check with Mike Lindell first, promo code CDM to get the best prices. He has over 600 products. Don't go shop at the corporate communists and the big box retailers. Go to Mike first, support the patriotic movement, support free media at CDM. Use promo code CDM at MyPillow.com to get the best discounts and sleep really well going forward. And now let's get to our guest. So today on American Conversations, we have uh, Donna Nizalik, who is uh, lives in Talbot County, Maryland. She has stepped up to the plate and has tossed her hat into the ring to run for the Talbot County School Board. Donna, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. And thank well, you also for all that you are doing for Talbot County. We're very lucky to have you here. Oh, well, you know, people are stepping up to the plate, which is great. So tell me what, let's, first of all, you know, when I first met you, you had been in the race for about 11 days. So let's tell people who you are, because unless they come to your veterinarian practice, they may not know who you are. So tell, tell the audience who you are, first of all. Well, I am a veterinarian. My husband and I started a practice here in Talbot County in 1984. And that's a quite a profession. You know, one works 24-7 between that and raising the two children. Other than looking at the national politics at night, we really have not participated. And as my schedule has been cut back a bit and had more time, I was looking for a way basically to address some of the ills that one hears about every single night on television. And education was the natural uh, avenue. Um, I got, got drafted at the last minute, and it's a perfect opportunity to put my passion for education and children, I hope, into play and make a contribution to the kids of Talbot County. So what district for the Talbot County School Board are you running for? I'm running for District 3, which sort of splits on either side of Route 50 and um, encompasses two, two areas, about 4,000 people. Um, I hope to meet many of them over the next months. And of course, I know many of them through my work as a veterinarian and also through the two children. So what was it that said, because I'm, I'm always curious about, and I talk to people all over the country that, that are getting involved for the first time in politics. It's not that it's the first time they voted, but just saying, okay, fine, I'm going to go in there and just take the bricks because I just think that something's wrong with the country. And then they run up against, and it really doesn't matter whether it's the Democratic Party or whether it's the Republican Party, it's the status quo, don't like the newbies that are there. Did you have an epiphany moment when you said, you know, I ought to do this? 
I think the realization that one has to act locally, you know, one gets to vote twice a year nationally, right? And all of a sudden you realize that you, if you're going to make a difference, it has to be here, uh, hands-on, and, and to be willing to put the work into it. Mm -hmm. um, over the years, I have just seen so many things that disturb me. People coming to work for me that literally cannot read the face of a clock. They can't sign their name because they haven't never been taught cursive. They just are not well educated. And you know, I am a product of public education, at least through the end of high school. And I guess I bring my old fashioned values. People were taught to read, write, calculate, just call it arithmetic. Yeah. You had a sense of how the country, where the country uh, came from. Um, and it's just changed so much. I would like to bring some of my old fashioned values and I think try to improve the education in the county on the, on the basics. Now I attended my first Talbot County school board meeting a couple of weeks ago to let people know that we're starting a new, a new newspaper, online newspaper uh, in, in Maryland as part of our city media uh, network. And I, I listened to a woman who was test, I guess, testifying before the board. She's part of their team. Just about all this kind of sexualization um, of kids. And I wonder if, you know, I, I don't think people understand that, you know, even though it is the woman represented that, you know, it's not going to start in this county. You, the, the school board's going to decide, I guess, across the state how young but it you know they're going to teach sex and, and i don't want to get graphic here but i mean they're really going to they're going to they're, they're getting into the weeds of it <clears throat> and then they said that you know the county's school boards can opt out of it but they won't but the, in the statewide it says that you know kindergarten through fifth grade kindergarten through third grade i mean it, it that's in the department of education's manual and now it seems as if, well, they want to call it a health issue and they want to teach you about that, you know, the ramifications if you do this. So it's like, yes, the county, the school boards can opt out of teaching about the sexual acts. If the county school board says no, it's almost like the state government wants people to come in and says, no, it has to come in. We'll, we'll teach it underneath health, the health ramifications, which then makes it mandatory. And I thought to myself, this is clever. Yes. It's very clever. It's very hard to figure out exactly what's going on. I was at that school board meeting too, and I was pleased to hear that they were not going to teach it at under fifth grade level. However, what they start teaching at sixth and seventh, and these are what 12 and 13 year olds, I think is very inappropriate and unnecessary. Suppose that schools do a really good job of te teaching English reading, writing, and math, and not and leave these other issues to the parents. The actual facts that impact on a child's health are very few, really. You know, one needs to know the basic facts of pregnancy, and one probably needs to be taught about venereal diseases so children don't become infected. There are some basic facts, but they could be covered very, very quickly and not in the fifth grade. There's all sorts of other ramifications to these guidelines. And a lot of them verge on racial equality and how that, I, I can't imagine how that um, it relates to sexual acts. 
And frankly, it is none of their business. They're doing a poor job at teaching the basics and preparing people to go out into the workplace and to go to higher education and taking it up on themselves, what I think belongs in the domain of parents, always has. In my generation, that was a topic that was discussed with your mother, or if you were a boy in my family, it was discussed with the father. I mean, I don't, I don't understand where all of a sudden it becomes the issues of the schools. I don't think it belongs in the schools. Uh, I, I agree with you. I agree. I, to their credit, a couple. Because there may be a teacher who, in fact, uh, you know, and, and teaching is, is subjective. It's a subjective style. Okay, I, I, I don't care what people say. You know, if you if you're taught how to teach and things like that, it's subjective. You can go from Summerhill to a very rigid military style of teaching. But what I don't understand is why are family issues being discussed by teachers when it's the parents who really know their own child and what's appropriate for that child in that family? I agree. Absolutely. Um, it's not the domain of the schools. And I realized from that discussion at the board meeting how difficult it is to pin this down because when a board mm -hmm. member objected, they said, well, you know, suppose somebody asks a question and it might lead to a discussion of this. It's like, no, you say that's something that perhaps you should ask your mother or your father about. You don't, you don't have to answer every question. You can send it back to the parents whose domain it is. And I also think it's very difficult to be sure that parents are aware of what they're opting out because it is they do have an opt-out uh, possibility. They made it clear that parents don't have to allow it. However, what are they telling parents they're discussing and how far do those discussions go and do the parents ever receive the opt-out you know, letter or whatever it is? So I, I sat there and thought of many ways that this can go wrong. And again, it's not their domain. You can teach health, you can teach balanced nutrition, um, taking care of your eyes, all the things, and and, se and sexual health. But it, it can be a very small unit. It doesn't have to be this elaborate guideline which teaches all sorts of forms of sex, which are, I think, completely inappropriate for those age groups. And frankly, a school should never have to address it. Heaven knows there's plenty of information out there in society. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Talbot County if people push back. And people like you, Donna, who, who, who you know get elected, and I hope you do get elected, um, people who push back. Because I think the there's too many people that are afraid to push back. There's too many people that are afraid of being criticized. There's too many people. And they don't know that other people are out there basically saying, thank God somebody like Donna's running. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's because a lot of people are afraid to take the bricks, the bricks these days because they're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of being criticized. They're afraid their businesses are going to be hurt. But quite frankly, I, I think people need to step up to the plate. What is it that, that um, see, I, I think that people don't know that critical race theory is in, in Talbot County. I don't think that they understand that there is a push to keep the parents outside of the conversations where they should absolutely be controlling the conversations. We're hearing about across the country that, and I don't know if this is happening in Talbot County because I just found out about it, but apparently in some of these states, some of these counties, they're, they're putting, um, they give the kids some type of a new laptop. They ask the kids questions about, it's the touchy-feely stuff. You know, how do you feel today? Do you feel sad? Then they ask questions about what's going on at home. So the kid goes to school with this laptop that can only be programmed inside the school. 
They answer these questions like what's going, if they're sad, what's going on at home, which is intrusive. Extremely. Uh, and then apparently this program cannot be accessed by the parents. So the parents have oh. no idea what the child is saying. They have no idea if the kid has overheard an argument, but maybe took it in the wrong context. All right. They, you know, it, it, the, the whole thing is so intrusive and it has nothing, as you say, to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic and ge geography. I'll throw in geography. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, it just, it's craziness to me why anybody yeah. thinks this is sane. I, I, I don't think it is, but it's so insidious because if there was a single course in critical race theory in eighth grade, you could, as a board member, say, we're not going to have that. We're not going to have that. The problem is it's in everything. You know, the math teacher is saying, well, math is sort of racist because white people, it, it, it is everywhere. It's so deeply rooted and it's just so wrong. But it's, I, as a board member, it will be difficult to ferret that out. And I think that sending teachers to be educated in it is not helping. I hope one can can deal with that through the purse strings that one can send them for other kinds of education. Mm -hmm. For example, how do we improve the proficiency of our Black Hispanic students? There is such a huge disparity between the proficiency that white students or the average student receives they were graduates with and what the uh, Black and Hispanics and the non-English uh, speakers. For example, in both English and math, the statistics are like only a quarter of Black and Hispanic students graduate proficient in English and math, and about 8% of Hispanic students, or I'm sorry, of um, non-English speakers. Mm -hmm. So that is sending out three quarters or over 90% people who are not proficient out into the world to try to get a jo good job and to compete. Talk about inequality. How, right. that's where- if you, if you have uneducated people, then it's inequality. It doesn't matter whether, whether it, 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 you're absolutely correct in that because it's- And that's racist, that's biased, right? Right. Like, I, and I don't know, I, there's a lot to learn. I realize going to these board meetings, how much I don't know about the workings of the system, but I intend to find out and I intend and see if one cannot improve. It. I, I wish there are all sorts of disadvantages that people bring to school and that it probably is related in some ways to race. It's also related to poverty. It's related to the education of the parents and the language they come in with. But the goal of the school ought to be to straighten out some of that or improve it vastly right from the get-go, from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, because you can't advance your education if you can't read and you can't do chemistry if you can't, if you can't do math. So it seems to me like there are tremendous inequities of built into this system by the fact that at all these levels, whether it's elementary or middle or high school, that there's a huge disparity in proficiency. Where does, so, where does the state of Maryland um, come up in terms of reading, writing, arithmetic? I mean, where, where's Maryland rated? Somebody told me it's not very good. No, it's not. <laughs> and Talbot County, you would hope, would be a lot better. I mean, we in general have a Pretty good population. I could think of a lot of other places in Maryland that would be more of a struggle. But right. even in Talbot County, and those statistics I gave you are specifically for Talbot County. 
you go to Maryland scary. Department of Education. It's scary because this is a this is a wealthy county. So I think they need to put aside all these agendas, all the politics, um, and really concentrate on that, trying to get everybody up to par or at least even it out better. Um, I think that, and I think that the public needs to understand that you know it's their job to get people like you into office you know who who, who give a damn uh who understand you know i always laugh when when people talk about you know the white man the oppressor you know the, the situation we live under when you know the the core curriculum was supported by bill gates yes when i was a kid i i forget what they call that that contraption or um arabic it was it, you move that you move the, the buttons around and you get to you know ten and you move it up. It was it was a game, right? That was created by uh, somebody mm -hmm. in India or somebody somebody in the Middle East. But I mean Egypt, I think it was Egypt. Epicus, I think. Epicus, thank you. Okay, so I mean that people for this this is so warped, so turned upside down, and it's it's deliberate. It's teaching so. kids stuff they don't need to do. It's turning, mm -hmm. you know, eight-year-olds into advocates. And and I they don't want I, to advocate, they want to play. Yeah, exactly. And kids should play. Kids should play. I mean, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be on the internet as much as they are, but the teachers demand that they go on the internet to do some of their homework. So then they're exposed to stuff that they shouldn't see. And let me just say this, because I know this is somebody who's covered human trafficking now on the street over mm -hmm. the internet for over 22 years. The average age of children looking at porn on the internet today in America is eight years of age. And what they're seeing, and this is what the public has to understand, tw over 20 years ago when I started covering this, the law enforcement would tell me that, you know, 75% of the stuff was recycled and it was um, erotica. 25% was this bestiality and the, you know, the bottom of the barrel stuff today that that's flipped. So little kids are seeing stuff that is horrific during the time period in their life where their discernment is not developed until they're in their twenties physically. They take that in. We have today um, brain tests and we know that when kids look at this kind of stuff that what would be considered violence even if it's violent games violent movies and i remember this when tipper gore came out many many years ago and she was talking about the video games having an impact mm -hmm. acting out violently with tempers and things like that we didn't have the brain studies that we have today so we know that this impacts right here in the kids' heads where their discernment is being. Because when these brain tests, it, it changes. So, you know, for these people to come out and say that this is okay, that we're gonna teach kids this, they're gonna show this, you know, videos and things like that. I'm thinking to myself, they're going up against what we know for brain studies. Society used to protect children and somehow mm -hmm. that, has, that has been lost. And I think with critical race theory, telling children that so-and-so is an oppressor and this other color child is a victim is so wrong. They should be inspired. My mother told me I could do anything if I worked hard enough. And that was what I was raised on. And a lot of our generation was, right? You right. could be anything. You're a journalist. I was a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. um, and to tell people right from the get-go, 
that they are our victims is so wrong or are oppressing. These children aren't oppressing. One ought to go back to worrying about whether children are nice to each other. And it shouldn't matter whether they are being, if they're mean to some child who is overweight, has a birthmark, I don't know, wears a ball on their head. It doesn't matter. You correct the bad behavior, the insensitive, thoughtless thing, because children are, they need to be civilized, you know, they need to be taught manners, they need to be taught to be nice, but it does not need a racial overtone. There, and the same thing for disadvantages, people come from, like I said, different backgrounds. Right. So treating everyone equally and judging them by their character and not the color of their skin. Um, is what we need to do. We need to go back to Martin Luther King's vision. Not only that, but there was a book that came out. I don't, know how, I don't know how old this book is, but it was a little tiny book that said, I, everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten. I often think it's very true, isn't it? If yeah. everyone behaved according it, to it, it is. I mean, you, world. you learn how to put on a coat, you learn how to stand in line, you learn how to say thank you, you learn how to, you know, wait till you're called. I mean, it's just, it, it's the basics as opposed to all of this indoctrination, and it's scary. And it's scary, but the parents need to step up to the plate. The voters need to go out there. They need to vote for you, Donna. How do people find out about you? Have you, have you had a chance? I know you were on vacation, went overseas to see your daughter, and you weren't part of the primaries because nobody votes for the school board in the primaries. So you're you're in the general election. Um, and again, what is the district and where can people find information? It's, it's District 3. Uh, I have a website. It is my name, DonnaNizalik.com. And there is a map of District 3, so you can figure out whether you're in my district and some information about me, some of my main um, points that I'm going to fight for. Um, there will soon be some little videos um, espousing those, and I'll keep posting more and more things. Oh, this is great, Donna. Great. Thank you for, for getting in there. Thank you for running for the school board, and, I, and good luck with your campaign. Well, thanks. Thanks for helping me get my message out, Christine. You're more than welcome. Take care.